Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Welcome in the name of the Lord. It's going to be a great day. I want to talk a moment, a few minutes, about a phrase that may be familiar to you. It's called carpe diem. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Um, believe it or not, the average American, the average human adult makes approximately 25,000 decisions a day, according to psychologists. That's a, that's a lot. And um, it would be nice if you knew the person that had all the answers to the questions to those 25,000 questions, right? <laughs> So that's, that's what we come together on uh, Sunday mornings to get in touch with the one who created you, right? And the one who has all the answers. His name is Jesus. And there is uh, so much to talk about today. And so let's just jump right into things. We only have two texts for you this morning, and I'd encourage you to write them both down. Uh, the first is in Ephesians. The second is Colossians. And they say the same thing. It says, make the most of every opportunity, it says that in Ephesians 5.16, and it says it in Colossians 4.5. Those are our only two scriptures for today. So since we've been in this building now a little over a month, we with great intentionality have worked our way through the vision, the goal, the process that we use uh, to see that people grow and mature in the Lord, uh, to find our destiny. We all understand our destination once we know the Lord. Our destination is heaven. But our destiny is what we do while we're here because the Lord certainly has something for you to do. Not just to go on with a regular life, but to do and to be something amazing. And that's your destiny. If he didn't have that for you, you should have just been held down in the baptistry tank until little bubbles came up. And then we all would cheer, oh, praise the Lord, another one went to heaven. But no, there's something for you to do, right? And that's why we're here. So this phrase uh, after Ivan last weekend, how many had a good time with, with uh, Pastor Ivan here? That was, that was a great, he's always a, a wonderful encouragement to the church. Today I want to discuss this phrase carpe diem, and it's a Latin phrase, which means in our modern vernacular, to seize the day. It was actually written by a Greek philosopher back uh, in 50 BC by the name of Horace. And carpe diem actually means in in, in the original, to pluck the day, to seize the day, to pluck the day. He actually wrote an entire phrase, carpe diem quam, minimum credula pros, uh, postero, which means pluck the day. Here's the last half. Trusting as little as possible in the next one. So trusting, seize the day, but trust as little as possible in the next one. In other words, this is the day that the Lord has made. Now, please understand, in our crazy 21st century full of people, like, YOLO, baby. You only live once, you know? And then they, you know, strap a GoPro to their forehead and jump off a mountain. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the type of, that's not the type of carpe diem I'm talking about. I'm talking about a biblical perspective because we're Christians and we should have a biblical worldview, right? So it's not YOLO, dude. It's carpe diem, and that's what I want to talk to you about, okay? So our lives to this point, when we come to know the Lord, should have a purpose. 
But the world tells us the purpose that we should have, and we realize that that's really not the purpose that God has designed for us. Yeah, we, we like nice things. We want to buy things and go places and all of that. But that's not who we are, right? But the world says, buy more, get more, you know, spend more. You are what you drive. You are what you wear, yes? This is, what, this, this is the culture that comes at us 24 hours a day. But that's, that's not who God made us. There's something more to life than that. Those of us who follow Jesus. The catechism, which you may or may not be familiar with, has the very first question that reads, what is the chief end of men? What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why we're here to glorify God, to love him, and to enjoy him forever. So we're all going to start right here at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, and get this into our heart and our spirit. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay? So how do we seize the day in light of the gospel? Well, we glorify him by... Uh, appreciating all he's done for us, preparing wisely for the future, here and in eternity, by using our time, our talent, our treasure, and things that really matter. Jesus said in Matthew 20, store up for yourselves what? Treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. So all of that being said now is just some wallpaper that I hopefully have applied to the walls of your mind that I'm going to come along now and I'm going to hang some hang some artwork, I'm going to hang some photographs on top of what I just laid out as some pretty basic knowledge, okay? So that has been a lot of words up to this point. But what, what I want to do now is give you something practical, right? We can come to church and leave the same way we came unless we say, I want to step closer to Jesus. I want to step closer to his word and maybe he has something for me to hear today through his word. Can I get an amen for that? So that's where we're headed, all right? Carpe diem has baked in it the idea that opportunities are limited. To everything, there is a season. I didn't make that up. The wisest man in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, to everything, there is a season. There is a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that. Time for planting and a time for harvest, right? We are just getting on the cusp of planting season. You look out in the field, some of the stalks are still standing from the fall. But it's not harvest time right now, is it? It'd be silly to see a combine in the field today. Am I talking to people who live in Illinois? Maybe I should go to... <laughs> Somebody the other day asked me, said, you, like, you from here? I said, yes, I have corn and beans in my blood. I was born, born in Bloomington, Pekin, Peoria, Springfield. That's it. That's the, that's the Bermuda Triangle of Illinois. And I live right in the middle of it. <laughs> So corn, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be crazy to see a combine um, out in the field right now. Why? Because everything has a season. There are certain seasons to things. And um, nothing becomes more clear than this, I guess, when you, when you, uh, when you uh, get a little bit older and you're single. And then to those of you that are single, listen, carpe diem. Seize the day. There are things that you can do when you're, that when you're single that you can't do when you're married. Why? Because now all of a sudden you have a spouse. And now the two become one. And it's not the ball and chain. No, the two have become one. You're just bigger and bulkier. It takes a little more time to maneuver you, right? And then, so, but carpe diem when, when you're married. I mean, when you, don't, when you, when you the, the double income, no kid, the dinks back in the day, right? 
Uh, I mean, there's things that, that young married people can do that once you have kids, kids are awesome. Seize the day when you have kids, right? Because they, they're, they're only two once. Praise the Lord. There are only two once. And, and then, right? But before you have kids, there's this season of your life. You don't have kids. You, you can actually get up and go to Walmart anytime you want to. But then you have children. Oh, no, little Johnny's got to have a nap. Then he's got to get fed. Then he's got to get changed. And now it's going to be, you know, give me an hour's notice. And then we'll go through all of this. And then, oh, now it's nap time. We, we can't go now. I'll have to go. You know what I mean? But when you have kids, I mean, it's a glorious time. Kids are awesome, right, Miles? You're an awesome dad, by the way. You know, and, I, and so you seize the day. You seize the day. You got kids. Little G, how old is she now? Three? Two and a half. Two and a half. That's, she's just the best. Yeah. But you're never going to have two and a half back again. Right? 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 Then what happens? They get a little bit older. Then they what? Then they go on to school or they move out or whatever. And that's the whole empty nest situation. You go, praise the Lord. Right? So you seize the day. When Hannah moved away to school, I think it was within a couple days, we tore our room apart. We painted it all and changed it, turned it into a guest room. She's like, what happened to my room? You don't live here anymore. You do not live here anymore. That's what we told her. We're going to do, she was actually hurt. She told us she was actually hurt, but it's tough. And, but, but we seized the day, right? Now we got a guest room. Praise the Lord, Right? Then what happens is they get married. Then they have children, right? Now, you're, now we're in the season of grandparenting. I love this season. Carpe diem, baby. Seize the day. And it's like you get to parent all over again, but like with fairy dust. <laughs> I don't know how that works. They sprinkle a little chocolate chip ice cream there and sprinkle a little... Uh, high fructose corn syrup there and red dye number two and send them home. That's praise the Lord. That's, I'm seizing the day as grandpa. I'm loving grandpa. Right, Alan? We love grandpa. Praise the Lord. Seize the day. Because, here's the point, things have expiration dates. Golden opportunities are to be seized. seized. See, the, see the can? This can was made in April 9th of 14 and expired in 17. I have a few things here. Anybody want to drink of my milk? If I hand you milk, what's the first thing you're going to do? Smell it. If you're Joey. I heard that, Joey. Screw the expiration date. Ah, it still smells okay to me. No, we look at the expiration dates pours out like cottage cheese. Damn, maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Right, right, right. So what do we do? Milk has a expiration date. And, and you go to the store and the one in front says, you know, April 10th, but the one behind it says April 12th. One behind that says April, so you're reaching all the way. No, not you? Okay, all right, maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm weird. I want to get the money out of Melbourne. I'm, I'm reaching to the back of the, I'll go in the cooler if I have to go in the cooler. Can I get an amen? Right. So check the date. You check the date. You go, oh, that's expired. You don't get another chance at it. Batteries. 
I recently changed the batteries in our defibrillators. The little green things you see stationed around here, that's in case you have a heart attack. We put those pads on you and we step back and we push the button. (laughs) Right? It'd be a good idea to have batteries in there that weren't expired. So I changed them for you. Because I don't plan on having a heart attack. Maybe you do. (laughs) Right? Right. So change. It gets 10 batteries. So it delivers quite the jolt. The batteries expire. Here's another one. Medicine. Well, you know, it's good like for a year afterwards, right? Wink, wink. At the end of the day, there comes a point when it's not any good anymore. It expires. Don't worry. These aren't real pills in here. I put Tic Tacs in. Expiration dates. Opportunities have shelf lives. Write that down. Opportunities have shelf lives. Carpe diem. So there's a job opportunity for you. Is that job opportunity going to be there for you always? Or do they say, listen, you got to let me know by Monday. Let me know. And if you don't call them by Monday, what happens? The door closes and that opportunity is now gone because it's expired. Purchasing a home. You better hurry up and buy it. I mean, if you're thinking about buying a home, you should probably think about buying one home sooner than later because interest rates have just gone from historic lows in the twos. Now I think it's like four nine for a for a thirty fixed. Yeah, yeah. You think? I mean, I lived through Jimmy Carter. <laughs> I lived through the Malaysia Jimmy Carter. Nineteen percent on a house loan. So don't be crying in your milk over four percent. Snag the four. Carpe diem, baby. I've been trying to refix my work on my deck now for weeks and weeks. We had that really warm weather a couple weeks ago. I got out there and I pulled pull out all the oil boards and, and everything else. Now I got this deck that's a landmine. My wife actually stepped in a hole in the deck. I'm so thankful she caught herself or she broke her leg. But then it turned cold again, you know, then the cold came back in. And so there are opportunities that come. Warm weather, boom. Yesterday was a beautiful day, right? Get out and seize the day. Carpe diem because, you know, it's going to, maybe it's going to rain tomorrow. We should go on a picnic today because it's going to rain tomorrow. Or it's raining today. We can't do that. What am I talking about? I'm talking about golden opportunities that present themselves and you sit there sucking your thumb. (laughs) Pacifying yourself, thinking that, you know, you'll have another opportunity. You may not have another opportunity. Dating somebody. Where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me? Now, wait a second. (laughs) Every millennial, every millennial in the room is going, what What? What the heck? (laughs) Why did you leave me? Eyes. And I thought I found true love. Yet another and <laughs> gone. Gone. Huh? There she was at the dance on the other side of the room, and should I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, should I? And then somebody else came up and asked her, and they walked away together. Carpe diem. Somebody once asked me if I have any regrets in life. I, I have a few regrets in life. And one of them is I never joined the military. I would have loved to join the military. 
Um, and so, I, you know, there are age limits. They don't want 60-year-old <laughs> men in the Marine Corps uh, anymore. Uh, actually, I looked it up. The top age is 28 years of age to, to, to join the military, 28. If you have pre- prior experience, it's 35, but 28, and regardless, that, that's an opportunity, that's a golden opportunity for me that I'll never have that. I, I can't do it. It's just closed. It just can't happen. Poof, it was gone. So, listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter nine. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. What's he saying? He's saying time is limited. There are golden moments that present themselves to you for a season. They're divine opportunities, but they all have expiration dates on them. So remember from Ecclesiastes, everything there is a season. I just want to share a couple things with you here. The first is uh, in John chapter 4, 47. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him. In light of Carpe Diem, what happened? There was this guy, he heard that Jesus came to town. He says, I'm going to go meet him. I heard that Jesus is in town. Carpe Diem. Well, if Jesus really is who he says he is, he's all that important, he's all that smart, and he's all that, he's going to come to my house. No, he got up. And he sees the day. He sees the opportunity. Jesus came to his town. I mean, if Jesus came to town, wouldn't you want to go see him? I think so. And he begged him, come and heal my son, who is close to death. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son is alive. I love how Jesus answers. In Luke chapter 17, now... On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He was going into a village and 10 men who had leprosy carpe diemed. What? Jesus is in town. We have leprosy. Where were lepers? Lepers were in colonies. Lepers were segregated. Lepers weren't allowed to be among the population. But all of a sudden, poof, they were there. We're standing right in front of Jesus. Because they had heard that Jesus came to town. And we're not going to miss this opportunity it's time's limited. There's an expiration date on how long Jesus is going to be in that town. I mean, the list is exhaustive. I'll just share a couple more with you. In Mark chapter 5, beginning at the 24th verse. I love this. And so Jesus went... Here's the deal. Jesus is, is going to go heal Jairus' daughter, but while he's on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, this woman comes up with this issue of blood. I'll just tell you the story real quick. She comes up with this issue of blood. She's had this problem for years and years and years. And we all know she touched the hem of his garment, right? And then she was healed. You may not know that story, but I give you the reference. You can check it out yourself. But what you may not know about her in this story, if you read the story closely, she actually planned her own deliverance. She had suffered great from, uh, from the care of doctors. Uh, she was getting worse. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him, touched his cloak, because she had thought previously, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, she was. So, premeditated deliverance. Premeditated carpe diem. Premeditated, I'm going to seize the day. 
Here he is. What am I going to do? Hmm, let me think. If I could just get near him. It wasn't by accident. She just didn't accidentally touch them of his garment. She knew he was coming to town. And she says, I'm going to go get it. Carpe diem. Mark chapter 10. Oh, this is a great story. This is, uh, and I really don't like uh, how it's listed in scripture because uh, in every, every one of your Bibles in Mark chapter 10, beginning at the 46th verse, the heading probably says, blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> He's not blind, ladies and gentlemen, anymore. Right. Seen Bartimaeus. So yes, we identified him as blind Bartimaeus. What happened? He came into Jericho. I'll tell you the story. He heard that Jesus was coming into town, um, leaving the city. The blind man Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside begging. Then he heard, verse 47, faith comes by hearing. He heard the Jesus of Nazareth and he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I like the fact that he's not embarrassed to go for it. Doesn't that get you sometimes? Gosh, what's my mom going to think? What's my dad going to think? What's my wife going to think if I, if I go after it? I would be a little embarrassed. But not, not Bartimaeus. He began to shout, Lord, have mercy on me. Not, and then all those around him rebuked him. Sit down and be quiet. But he shouted even louder. Son of David, have mercy. Jesus stopped and called him. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet feet and he ran to Jesus wait a second the man's blind (laughs) hashtag blind man running (laughs) what Jesus is here the cloak this beggar's cloak that he had identified him as a beggar as a blind man in their culture threw off that which would supply his need identifying him as a beggar threw it off and ran What's that? That's carpe diem, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't get much better than that. Peter walking on water. Jesus said what? Peter's like, "Uh, let me me send that to committee, Jesus. You know what a committee is? A cul-de-sac where good ideas go to die. That's not original with me. I just remember that from... From, from some quote it just came up in the back of my head but it's powerful when Jesus gives you the word come on let's do this let's go well you know that's never been done before do you realize everything's been impossible at one time at one time everything was impossible but somebody said no we're going to do that so Peter hears Jesus come on Peter come on out on the water Peter goes, eh, no, what'd he do? Stepped over the side of the boat and did it. Sees the day. That, that opportunity, that, that offering, golden, it's gonna, has an expiration date. Yeah. May not be there tomorrow. The little boy giving his lunch to the 5,000. Hey, can we have your lunch? No. <laughs> Mine. No, sure, here. You know what I want to know when I get to heaven? I want to know his name. I want to meet him. I mean, we never get his name in scripture, but I want to know him. You can be him. Carpe diem. When the opportunity arises to give, give. Carpe diem. Jesus' invitation to Peter to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. That only happened once. Limited opportunity. 
The child who threw himself in the fire in John chapter 17. Another dad who had a problem with his son heard that Jesus was coming to town, went to Jesus, said, would you heal my son? Absolutely. The Samaritan woman at the well, oh my goodness. Talk about opportunity. I mean, she had five husbands, now was living with a guy. It was a bad situation. Jesus shouldn't even have been in Samaria because Jews and Samaritans don't get along. But all of a sudden, she turns and Jesus is standing right there in front of her. She could have turned and just walked away, but she didn't. She engaged him in a conversation. She gave her life to the Lord that day. And the list goes on. The man who was let down through the roof. Huh? That's pretty cool. Seize the day. His friend seized the day. He probably didn't have much of a, didn't have, you know, have you ever thought about how he gets lowered down through the roof? Isn't that weird? I mean, in our Western mind, it's all very, you know, engineered. Probably some pulley system or something. I don't know. They rip a hole big enough to let him down. Did they, I mean, it had to be big enough to put the whole mat in, the whole stretcher, or was it just a little hole that then they just lashed him to his stretcher and they dropped him down like a hot dog tube through the top of the roof. And then he's just kind of dangling right there in front of the Lord like that. See what happens in my devotions? See what happens in my devotions? Like, I wonder, I wonder how that happened. His friends seized the day. His friends see, aren't you glad? You have friends sometimes that come up alongside you and say, listen, this is an opportunity, you better take it. Two, two last ones. The Red Sea opening. Exodus chapter 14, right? Come on. It opens and then it, and then it closed on the Egyptian army. What about the family, the Hebrews at the back? No, I don't know. I really don't think we should do that. Him and haw and stutter and false start. No, no. this is an opportunity. The Lord has said, let's do this. Let's go. Let's get it done. Get in, the, get in there and let's pass through. There was not another opportunity. And perhaps my favorite is the ark. The ark. When Noah built the ark. Yes, by the way, I believe that story. And I believe all of the Bible to be true. So the Lord said in Genesis chapter 6, verse 16, the Lord said, make a roof for it and finish the ark all the way up to the top within 18 inches. Put a door, one door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. So that was the direction that the Lord gave him. So... And, of course, all the other direction of the dimensions and all of that. And I uh, encourage you to go see the Ark Encounter. Where is that? Kentucky. Kentucky. Where in Kentucky? How many have been there? Oh, cool. Where is it at? Kentucky. Well, it's in the middle of nowhere, really, right? You just can't put it downtown. Uh, in the Creation Museum, too. All right. Okay. We'll all Google it later. <laughs> you should go there. All right. Point being is, the Lord said, do this thing, build this thing, and many believe that it hadn't even rained on the face of the earth until that time. Because it says in scripture that the earth was watered from streams and from water from beneath the earth until such time as the rain began to fell, fall in Genesis chapter six, which is really, really interesting because now, not only is Noah trying to convince everybody that they should get in this ark because it's gonna rain. 
Well, what is rain? Well, rain's where water comes from the heaven. Oh, water doesn't come from the heavens. So he kind of had two strikes against him from the get. So here's what happened. You've never seen it. I'd consider underlining it. In Genesis chapter seven, it says this. The animals were all male and female, every kind got in. And God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord, who shut them in? Noah didn't. The Lord said, closed. We're not opening the door again. That opportunity has now expired. You should have done what I asked you to do when I told you what you needed to do because that's a limited opportunity. It's a carpe diem. You need to pluck the day. You need to seize the day knowing there may not be a tomorrow. Amazing moments in time. Golden opportunities. But they had to be seized. They were placed right in front of them. Couldn't hardly miss them. But all of them had an expiration date. Okay, back to our first texts. Ephesians 5.16, Colossians 5 or 4.5. Make the most of every opportunity. In fact, you probably write that in the front of your Bible in Sharpie. Ephesians 5.16, Colossians 4.5. Make the most of every opportunity. What are those opportunities? I'm going to tell you what two of them are. The first, of course, is salvation. First is salvation. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, the word says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And then carpe diem. So when is the day of salvation? Now. Well, well you know, maybe tomorrow. Here, I'm not, listen, I'm not, I, I'm not a motivator from fear. If you know that about anything about me, you know I, that that's not my mojo. But I got to tell you the truth. And the truth is this, life is, has an expiration date. There's a lot of people in the morgue today that thought they'd have today. Ah, tomorrow. Hmm? I'd say seize the day. I mean, my wife works with death every day as a cancer nurse. I mean, it's very close to her. We value life extremely high. Maybe you had somebody pass away recently in your own life you realize man that that was a shock even if even if you kind of knew they were sick and alien or whatever still time listen whether it's batteries medicine or milk there comes a time no more no mas done it's expired so that's the first thing that I'd like you to consider seizing is salvation, according to 2 Corinthians. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Okay, so there's only one other I want to discuss. Oh boy, pastor, this is going to be a good one if you only got one other one. What is it? What's the opportunity, pastor? What is it, you, what is it we're going to seize? What's the yummy goodness? What's the caramel nougat in the middle of this candy bar? You ready? Yes or no? Yes. I can leave. I can stop right now. <laughs> Here it is. Your other opportunity is the difficulty that's in front of you right now. Well, that doesn't sound like some Holy Ghost charismatic sermon. It's the word. Sorry. I'm going to give it to you straight. So your marriage has a rough patch. 
That's a golden opportunity. Kids are going sideways. Something wrong. That's a golden opportunity. Your health is fragile. That's a difficulty. Hmm? But it's a golden opportunity. You're being asked to give in some area. You say, nah, that's, that's tough. I can't. Well, I'm telling you, carpe diem, that, that difficulty, it's a golden opportunity. Your job's on shaky ground. Tough, difficult. Embrace it. It's your golden opportunity. Your finances seem thin. The task is overwhelming. Oh, carpe diem, my friend. Seize the day. That's a golden opportunity. Your back's against the wall. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. I'm telling you, those are golden opportunities. Now, what I've just rehearsed with you, this list I've just gone through, that's just not you that has those circumstances. That's every person in the Bible that ever had a miracle. The marriage with a rough patch, how about that's the woman at the well? How about the kid going sideways? That's the one throwing themselves in the fire. The health that's fragile, the man who was let down through the roof of the house. The one who's being asked to give, that was the little boy who gave his lunch to feed 5,000. The job is on shaky ground, Levi, the tax collector, who was called by Jesus. Your finances seem thin and the task is overwhelming, that's Noah building the ark. Your back is against the wall, that's Moses in the Red Sea. Those are your problems. Those are things God has brought into your life as golden opportunities. Well, maybe the devil brought it. Maybe he did. But the best thing you can do is praise the Lord regardless. Strength does not come from what you can do. It comes by overcoming things that you could not do. Here's how carpe diem works in the life of a Christian. It's like going on a field trip when you're a kid. Fifth grade, third grade. I love field trips. Anybody else? Field trips? Field trip day? Psh. Hello, all day. Field trip every day, right? So tomorrow we're going to go. Now, I, was, I went to school up in Pekin, right? So there was one time we, we came down here to do all the Lincoln folder all, New Salem and whatnot. You know, oh, man, it's got a bus. I get to be on a bus. It's so cool. And we're going to go down. We're going to have a lunch and everything. And I don't know what time I used to get up. I was up while it was dark outside. I'm ready. I'm ready. My parents didn't have to wake me up to go on. Are you kidding? Wake me up on field trip day? You don't wake me up on Christmas day. You don't wake me up on field trip days. I am up. I'm carpe diem all day about that. Let me help you. Let me help you. When you look at every day of your life as a field trip where you get to experience something, you're going you're gonna to have, have carpe diem mentality, which is, and I'm just going to speak from my perspective. This may not be you, but this may help some. I, I grab every day by the throat. I wrestle it to the ground. I put it in a rear naked choke and I squeeze the life right out of it. How do, Eric, how, what, listen, I'm, I'm advocating for you to just get a little field trip mentality about your life. It's not boring. It's not routine. It's not a drudgery unless you have prescribed it to be. 
No, every day is a brand new day. A brand new basket of mercies on your front porch just waiting for you this morning. Well, it's the same. No, it's going to be the same if you expect the same. If you're looking for sameness, you'll find sameness. If you look for adventure, you will find adventure. Oh, maybe I should drive this way to work today. And then there's somebody on the side of the road. And then they give you a million dollars. I don't know. I'm just making it up as I go, people. But you must come to a place where you say, I am going to squeeze the life out of this day. Carpe diem. I don't, because every opportunity has an expiration date. You may never be in this service again. Make the most, Ephesians 5, 16, of every opportunity. So what I mean is, carpe diem doesn't only mean seize the good days. I mean, Noah, Moses, they, they're the epitome of carpe diem. Lord told me something today. I got to do it. I got to go for it. Um, it sounds weird. People are going to make fun of me. I don't know. It sounds crazy. But, you know, here we go. And you just may look the fool. The last time I checked, dead people don't care if they look foolish. I mean, dead guy laying in the casket, you come up, put an earring on him, put a cigarette in his mouth. He didn't care. Put red lipstick on him. I'm not being too weird, am I? Here's a dead guy in a casket. He's not embarrassed at all. We are to be dead to ourselves. If the Lord says, listen, go do this, be a part of that, get a hold of this. Gosh, that sounds kind of crazy. And here's, I'm going to be honest with you, the older you get, the harder it is for that because we get sedentary in our ways, right? I got to fight being old and crusty. (laughs) Everything grows old and dies naturally. Everything grows and dies naturally. That's just the natural course. If you don't want to die, then you must do something to keep life in you. And that is carpe diem. What's today going to bring? And maybe you work your nine to five and that's all you do and, and what, whatever. There is excitement for you in your job. There's excitement for you in your life. There's excitement for you in your, in your marriage. There's excitement for you in the season that you are in. My mother gave me such a beautiful nugget of wisdom when I was a kid because I was always like, let's go do the next thing. Let's go do the next thing. Let's go do the next thing. I love that. I'm just very that kind of person. She said, Eric, don't ever wish your life away. Enjoy every moment. Enjoy the process, Eric. I'm telling that to some of you today. You're wishing your life away. You're waiting for a mountaintop experience that's a year away and you're, for, and you're forgetting that you're, you're never gonna have that age back with your child. You're never gonna have that age back with your, with your spouse or your children or whatever. Just wring life out of every day. Not just the good days. Seize all of them. You all know C.S. Lewis, right? He said, hardship is what prepares ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. Hear me, people. Strength does not come from winning. Strength comes through struggles when you overcome. Winston Churchill, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. So here's the question. We're going to wrap this up. Who wants to be successful? 
Be honest. If you don't want to, it's okay. You can be a loser. <laughs> we want to be successful, right? At the end of our life, man, he was successful. She was successful. Whatever that was, a businessman, a philanthropist, a mom, whatever. They were a success. Okay. I think that's, that, that, that's true for all of us. Marriages, raising our kids, in our faith. Here's what I want you to understand. By definition, the word success means that you had a struggle and overcame it. Baked into the word, you want to be successful? You want to be successful? Then what you have to have in order to be successful is have something to overcome. Because you're just not successful without having overcome something. So when you say, I want to be successful, that's code for bring me some issues. Bring me some problems. I will overcome them so that people can then say, when I'm laying in my grave, he was a successful person. For you too. You want to be successful. Ah, yeah, I want to be successful. Of course you want to be successful. But that means you're asking for difficulties. Phil Brooks, he was a, a, a pastor in New England during the Civil War. He, he said this. You may be familiar with it. He wrote the song, A Little Town of Bethlehem. He said, pray not for easy lives, pray to be stronger. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work shall not be a miracle, but you shall be the miracle. So what does that mean? Well, that means... When you pray for patience, here's how it works in a very practical sense. This is, what we, this is what we want to take home. Oh, God, bring me patience. Does God then go to the pharmacy of heaven, find the bottle called patience, and just pour it in the top of your life, in the top of your head? No. He actually brings circumstance to you whereby you'll get to grow that muscle. Success, carpe diem. So not difficulties. These are golden opportunities. <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with attitude. I don't know why I'm remembering this story about, a, a, about the, the optimist kid versus the pessimist kid. You know, on Christmas Day, they get a box. They get a box full of horse manure. And the pessimist goes, oh, I got horse manure for Christmas. The other kid goes, yay, yay, yay. Why are you so excited? Well, there's, with all this horse manure, there's got to be a horse somewhere. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Carpe diem. God, I want a strong marriage. Does God go to the pharmacy of heaven, take out the vial called strong marriage, dump it on both of you, or does he bring opportunities for you to strengthen your marriage? Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? Oh, God, my prayer is for more money. Oh, God. I need money. More money, God. And so God goes to, you know, the lottery ticket booth of heaven, pulls out the winning ticket because that's all that's in the lottery booth of heaven. Pulls out one, says, oh, this is a $50,000 one. We'll just mail this. We'll mail this to Eric. That's not how it works. Right? Oh, yes. Money in the mail, gifts and surprises. You can rejoice with your $3.97 Menards rebate. 
way to go. But I'm talking, you need M-O-N-E-Y. You got to pay your bills. The kid's sick, got the hospital, got the car, got the gas, and you need money. Oh, God, I need money. Or does he bring you opportunities to make money or be a good steward, but you go, nah, that looks a lot like work. I don't want any of that. I think you came for the truth. That's all I'm trying to give you. Golden opportunities that the Lord brings you must be answered if you want to receive whatever it is. I know. I was, I, when I was a kid and the doorbell rang, we all ran to the door to see who it was. Because people, hey, hey, somebody's knocking on my door. Nowadays, someone knocks on your door, it's like, <laughs> do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. Here, pull him up on the camera. Pull him up on the camera. We'll pull him up on the, pull him up on the doorbell. I don't know. I'll talk to you through the doorbell. I'll talk to you through the doorbell. Because I don't even want to come to the door. You look so scary. Right, right, right. Here's what opportunity does. Those golden opportunities, they knock. And if you're gun shy, and you're going to hide under your couch, and you're going to hide behind the curtains... That opportunity is not going to stand on your, door, on your front porch forever. That opportunity is not going to stand on your front porch forever. You got to say, you know what? I'm going to go answer that door. I'm going to hear the pitch. And if I, don't, if I don't like the pitch, I can still shut the door on it. But some of you don't even answer. Some of you don't even answer. Open the door. Somebody say, Eric, how do you decide whether you're going to go do this or go do that and say yes to this and say no to that? I'll tell you what I do. I just keep walking. I just keep walking till the door closes. There's an opportunity. Well, there's an opportunity over here. Okay. Okay. Door closed. Okay. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Okay. And then I just keep walking. You know, a rock as it rolls down the hill off of a mountaintop or whatever, you know, the hardest, the hard, you ever tried to stand on a bicycle when it's not moving? I'm talking about forward momentum. I'm talking about forward movement. I'm talking about capitalizing on momentum and movement in your spiritual walk. You get a couple good wins under your belt, you're going to realize you want to, you're waiting for the door to ring. You're not afraid of the door when it rings now. Now it's like, ding, did I hear, did I hear something? Did I hear something where I, I got to answer that? This is what ringing life out of every day feels like when you wake up and every day is a field trip adventure. That's carpe diem. The first thing, and I'm wrapping up now, the first thing is this. Today is the day of salvation. This is the moment, carpe diem. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, now's the time. Not tomorrow, because if you say tomorrow, what you've done is you've answered in the negative. Your delay is a no, because there's either yes or no. You say, nah, not today, tomorrow, and tomorrow is not promised. See, that's the problem. So you have a money-back guarantee on salvation. God says... I'll refund it all back to you, all your negativeness, all your hurt, all your pain, all your distraught, all your scars, all of those things. You can have them back if you want them, but I'll take them. I'll take the, I'll take the hurt and the pain. Not the scars. Not the scars. Scars remain. They do. And I'm going to tell you why the scars remain. Because they remind you of what he set you free from, what he delivered you from, and the stupidity of not to do that again. So today's the day to get, give your life to Jesus. What does that look like? 
Well, you say, according to scripture, Lord, you are who you say you are. That's where you start. You are who you say you are. I'm not telling you I have the answer to every one of your questions because I don't. But Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he's the life. Because they're gonna, someone's going to come to you with a question, going to come to me with a question that I don't have an answer for. So I'm not here to reason you into the kingdom. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to tell you that Jesus loves you. He's God in the flesh who came to the cross and he died for the penalty of sin that he didn't commit. He says, I'm going to take your sin upon me. And because death, the grave, and hell think they have the final answer, I'm going to put my throat on the enemy and I will conquer death, hell, and the grave. I will come back to demonstrate to you that I am the life of the world. And anyone who puts their trust and faith in me shall not die. Though a man dies once, goes into the ground, he shall not die a second time. The eternal death. That's the decision you have to make. And the other is for those of you who already are walking with the Lord and you have a difficulty in your life and you've seen it as a difficulty and not an opportunity. Seize the day. That difficulty with your marriage, with your family, with your home, with your finances, all the things from, from, from Genesis to Revelation that we went through, those are, that's you and it's me, the difficulties. Oh man, that's just a great opportunity for God to do something pretty amazing if you're willing to be let down through the roof to look like a dangling little hot dog, you just might get healed. And that's extreme, but it's the truth. Stand with me today, please. Of all the places you could have been today, you chose to be here. You took a chance. You said, I'm going to seize the day. Congratulations. God gave you an opportunity today somewhere, prayerfully in the things that I said, to look at your life differently. To say, you know what, I'm just not some sort of economic lemming that Washington, D.C. or economists manipulate to buy and sell and to go and do. I'm actually a spiritual being that Jesus loves and he died for. And my purpose is bigger than just going to work for nine hours a day. I I have a, a friend. I have a family. Maybe you have kids or children. Those are precious, precious opportunities. And the difficulty that you have right now, I, I want you to understand, I do not minimize it at all cancer and death and destruction, hardship, financial bankruptcy. I'm not minimizing that at all. I'm asking you to put on a special pair, a lens of glasses today that are scripture and say, you know what? All of those people that I rehearsed with you that had difficulty in their life, trusted God and came out okay in the end. So just trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in everything you do, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Father, we bow our hearts and our heads and our, close our eyes today for a moment of silence in your presence. Father, we purpose to see life through new lenses today. To grab life. For you are the life. And so today is the day of salvation for you. If this is the day, then all you do is just 
as a sign to the Lord, not to me or this church or anybody, maybe just raise your hand and say, here I am, God. I'm going to trust you from here on out. I don't have all the answers, but I know you do. And so I'm going to give you my life. I, don't, I, I even don't even know what the repercussions of all that are, but I, I'm going to trust you from here on out. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to accept your sacrifice. And I want you to lead me, lead me by your spirit. If that's you today, just slip your hand to the Lord. Father, here we are. Brand new, fresh starts. You can put your hands down. If you put your hand up, I'd love to pray with you after service down here to the side. Come up and see me. We'd love to pray for you. But for those of us that, man, difficulties seem to pile up, my, my charge is to get new perspective. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Say, I want this difficulty out of my life. Then embrace it. Squeeze all the life out of it. Learn what you got to learn and go on because God's got big things for you. He's calling you to be a success. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you, but give you a hope and a future. So let me bless you. Father, I ask that you would rest upon this, your people. Just turn your hands like you're receiving a present from the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face just be radiant upon you, shine upon everywhere you turn, see his glory and be gracious unto you. May you look upon you with favor in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.